0: Let's all stand. Together we lift up our voices as we sing. Are you washed in the blood? And there is power of the blood. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of Lord
1: Let's open up with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we come before you, and Lord, we praise you and thank you. Ask that you would stir our hearts, move in our midst, that we might sense and know your spirit at work. Help us truly to lift you up and honor you. And we look, Lord, for you to help us, empower us, that we might be conformed to your image. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Please be seated. Thank mm-hmm. you.
0: God, no way. The Lord. Our God is surely in this place And we won't be quiet We shout out your praise Lift high the name of Jesus, of Jesus our King, make no
1: your Bibles with me, if you would, please, and turn to the Gospel of John chapter 17. If I were to start out this morning and say to you, we are going to go ahead and study the Lord's Prayer, instantly you would think of the words, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You would associate that with the Lord's Prayer. But actually, that's the model prayer. When you come into the New Testament, that's where the Lord Jesus Christ is teaching us how to pray. But when you come to the real Lord's Prayer, where He Himself is praying, that's actually in John chapter 17. The entire chapter is the prayer of Jesus Christ to the Heavenly Father. Now, one of the most amazing mysteries of all of Christendom is the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. One God, Manifesting himself in these three ways throughout time. Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. But he is one God. One of the amazing miracles or mysteries of that is when you come to texts like this. Where Jesus is speaking to God the Father even though he is God. It's just so interesting. But one thing I've learned as a pastor through the years, if you really want to know somebody, you listen to their prayers. If you really want to know yourself spiritually, listen to your prayers. If your prayers are just rote, memorized routines, well, then probably your spiritual life is just rote. You're just punching your spiritual card. You're not really in a relationship with God. But if when you bow your head and you start talking to God, all of a sudden you're talking to him about life. Like as if you're in the car talking to your husband or wife or talking to your mom or dad, or all of a sudden you realize you're just talking to your father in heaven. That's a relationship, amen? amen. When we come here to John chapter 17, we find Jesus talking to the Heavenly Father. And we learn so much about Him within these texts, within these verses. We find so much about Him personally, about His work, about His relationship to us, the burdens on His heart, because He is simply talking to the Heavenly Father. He starts off in John chapter 17, and He says, These words spake Jesus lifting up his eyes to heaven. And he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, in Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. As as Christ starts his prayer, as he starts talking to the Heavenly Father, we find him talking about his willing sacrifice, his willingness to lay his flesh aside on Calvary, on the cross, for your and my salvation. We get this glimpse into that spiritual purpose For which Christ came for. That's why he starts off by saying. Father. The hour is come. He knew that the time was at hand. He was getting ready to ascend to Jerusalem. He was getting ready to put in motion. All those things that were going to bring him to Calvary. And he told God. The time is here. Time is now. The hour has come. His willingness. Nobody took Christ and crucified Him. He gave Himself as a willing sacrifice for you and I. He says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify Thy Son, that Thy Son also may glorify Thee. So as Jesus talks to the Heavenly Father in this miraculous Trinity connection, He says to God, you and I will be glorified. I will be glorified, I will glorify you by going to Calvary, by going to the cross, by paying the price for all humanity. Verse 2, he says, As thou hast given me power over all flesh, for he is God. He says, you've given me power over all flesh, I can lay my flesh down, the Bible says, and I can take it up. And how do we know? Because he resurrected. Amen. Amen. Talking to the Heavenly Father about his willingness to sacrifice for your sins and mine. As thou hast given him power over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. You and I today We reap the harvest, the benefit, the blessing of Jesus Christ's willingness to leave heaven above and to come to this earth and to pay the price for our sins. As he moves down in his prayer to verses 4 through 7, he reflects on his earthly ministry. He's coming to the end of it. The hour has now come. He's getting ready to go to Jerusalem. He's getting ready to go ahead and be crucified. And so he takes in verses 4, 5, 6, and 7. And in his conversation, in his prayer, he reflects upon his life. He says, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. He simply says, this earthly ministry you've given me, this three and a half year ministry that you've given me, he says, I have glorified you. You and I, sometimes we forget that Christ came with a very succinct purpose. Wasn't like you and I who are born and each day we ask God, reveal to me what you would have me to do and help me to follow your way. Jesus knew why he was here. He had a genuine goal that he might fulfill. And that was to absolutely glorify God, fulfill those Old Testament prophecies, all those allegories of the Old Testament, bring them to fruition and completion. He says, God, my earthly ministry, I've glorified thee. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. You and I, we call ourselves Christians, living a life like Christ. And I want to challenge you this morning. In your conversation with God, are you striving to complete the work he has for you? Mom and dad, are you really raising your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? He's called us to do it. Are we completing that work? You and I that are older, God calls us to go ahead and leave a spiritual legacy to our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. Are we completing that work? Are we serving the Lord in our lives that we might complete the work he has for us? Here Jesus tells the Heavenly Father, I've done the work. I've completed the task. I've got Calvary ahead, but we're on track. He comes down and he says, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thee me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. This is a little bit of a word salad as he's talking to God about Him and Heavenly Father and their connection as the Trinity, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, that goes all the way back before the world was. See, you and I, we're, we're confined to the concept of time. You know, I, I live within the time of my years. And maybe I can stretch it a little bit by living within the time of history. I can study history and I can learn about the past. Or maybe I might even be able to stretch it a little bit into the future by kind of looking the way things are going. But I live in the box of time. Jesus did not. God does not. Time is His creation. And He says to the Heavenly Father, He says, I long to be back to that place where he doesn't have an earthly ministry, but rather that he again is as they were before the world was. Such an interesting conversation between Jesus and his heavenly father. Verse six, he says, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. So he's, he's simply talking to God and saying, I've done the work. I've come and I have worked with these people you, give, you have given me. I've manifested, I've put forth thy name unto these men which thou gavest me. These 12 apostles, these disciples, these folks that I've gathered and worked with. He says, thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now, they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. So in his talk to the Heavenly Father, in his prayer, in his conversation with the Heavenly Father, he says, Lord, I have gone ahead and worked with these folks you've given me. And I have taken your word and I have given it forth To these individuals that you might be glorified and that I might finish the work. As he moves down, we find that he begins to reflect on that word a little bit. He just referenced that word. When we looked at the last part of verse 6, he says, They have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. All that word, all that teaching, all that prophesying, all that fulfilling. He says, Lord, I've I've shared that. But he does touch upon it a little more in greater detail here and there through his prayer. Verse eight, he says, for I have given unto them the words which thou gave me. And they have received them and have known surely that I came out from thee. They have believed that thou didst send me. We really get a glimpse into Christ's heart and soul and his passion. He says, Lord, absolutely your word that you have given me. So when we read the, maybe you have a red letter edition. How many of you have a red letter edition in your Bible? And every time you see his words, he just told you those words were the words of God. Now, does that mean they're the only words that matter? All the word is given to us by the inspiration of God. Mm -hmm. But Jesus just said to us, he says, Hey, in his conversation of God, the father, those words, those words that thou gave me, he says, they've received them and have known surely that I came out from thee and they have believed that thou did send me. You and I, right now, we're a testimony to Christ's conversation in prayer to the Father. You and I have believed. We are believers. I'm a believer. Every once in a while, I'll be talking to somebody, and because I'm a pastor, they think I'm just doing my job. It's kind of like a plumber. You know, he comes, he hooks up the pipes. He's just doing his job. So they think when I say to somebody, Here, let's have a word of prayer. They're thinking, well, that's what preachers do. No, listen. Every once in a while, I'll look at somebody and I'll say, I really believe. I believe in the power of prayer. I believe God makes a difference. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and mine. I am a believer. I'm not just in the business. I am a believer. I, many years ago, made a choice. I was a machinist before I was a pastor. Could have made a living doing that. Not in it for any other reason than I am a believer. And so when we look at this text, Jesus says, you gave me these folks and I've shared with them the word. And they have received that word as your word. And they believe. And I say, amen, Jesus. Amen in your prayer, because we do believe. And as he comes down, if you look with me at verse 13, he references again his word. He says, and now come I to thee and these things which I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in them. He says, these words that I have spoken, God, I want those words to bring them joy Sandra Joe, this year, Sandra Joe and I have decided that each morning we're going to start, we have, we have a program on our phone, and I challenge you to do the same thing. You can go ahead and you can go in, put a program on your phone, uh, choose the texts, or this year what we've decided to do is we're going to listen to the entire Bible systematically every morning. So we get up, she makes her coffee, I make my little mini wheats. <laughs> I eat my mini wheats, she drinks her coffee, and we listen to the scriptures. Such a blessing. Such a great way to begin the day. It brings joy into our lives. So of course, we can read it, but this is something new for us to sit and listen to somebody else read it. Here he says, Heavenly Father, I want them to receive the joy of my word. But I want you to listen to the very next verse. Look with me at verse 14. Because the flip side of that joy, listen to what he says. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So it's interesting, in his conversation with the Heavenly Father, Jesus says, I want my word to bring joy to my believers. But I know that there are those who hate them because they believe my word. You and I, we may think to ourselves, well, boy, we live in such a hard time. There's so many people who deny the scriptures, deny Christ. You know, they don't like it. They don't like Christian values or morals that they want to just throw us to the side. It's always been that way. If you go back into the oldest part of the Old Testament, go all the way back to the first children of Adam and Eve, and you have a Cain and an Abel. There's always been those who receive with joy the truths of God and those who get ticked off by it. Don't tell me how to live. Don't tell me what's right or wrong. Don't tell me that God created this, this, and this. I don't want to know that. Man, I just came from animals and I want to live like an animal. (laughs) Jesus says, Lord, I know it's reality. I know it's the way it is. There will be those who embrace your word and they're going to have the joy of it. And then there will be those who hate it. So he intercedes for us. That's the next part of his prayer. He shifts and and he's going to intercede for you and I because he knows that for us, we either embrace the joy or we face the hate. But that's real life. So here he's going to begin to ask God to help us. He's caring for you and I. He hasn't even gone to the cross and he's praying for us. Boy, that tells us so much about Jesus. Tells us so much about his purpose, his intent, his fulfillment. Look with me if you would at verse nine. He says, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. Jesus knows he's getting ready to leave. He's getting ready to be crucified. He's going to be buried. He's going to resurrect. And then he is going to ascend. Remember, he's going to go back to as it was before the very world was, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, the triune God. And he says, Lord, I'm coming home, and I'm praying for these. I'm praying for those who are mine, those who have followed me, those who have put their faith in me. I'm praying for them. Look with me at verse 15. He says, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil of the world. They are not of the world even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I sent them into the world. And he just starts talking to God the Father about you and I. In fact, he comes down just a little bit. Look at verse 20. He says, Neither pray I for these alone, But I pray for them also which shall believe on me through their word. He's saying, Lord, I'm not just talking about my my apostles and my disciples. I'm I'm, I'm praying for everybody who forevermore believes the word. That's you and me. That's you and I in this room right now. He's praying for you right here. He's concerned. He knows that you may embrace the joy of all the truths of Scripture, including salvation itself, but you are going to face a world because you're not of this world. You're in this world, but he says you're not of this world because you've chosen to be a Christian. You've chosen to receive Christ as your Savior. You've chosen to embrace the gift that Christ paid the price for your sins, for my sins. And so he he says to the Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray for them. I have sent them forth. That's what he said in verse 18, as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I sent them into the world. He knows that he has sent you and I into a hostile world when it comes to the faith. And he's praying for us. It's an interesting thing. I love love history. And there's something strange about me that when I watch those old, old newsreels, have you ever watched those old World War I newsreels? And it shows the, the, the doughboys getting on the trains and their, their spouses and their parents are hugging them and weeping. Lots of those young World War I doughboys had never left their community in their life. Some of them are like Vermont, as you've known, who have never been out of Addison County. And all of a sudden they're on a train headed somewhere and they're going to end up on the other side of the world. And as their family sent them forth, they sent them forth with all their love, all their concern, and all their prayers. And when I watch those videos, it moves me. When I watch those newsreels, it touches me because I know that every one of those folks, every one of those young men who went to war in 1916, 1917, they've all passed from this life to the next. Did somebody share with them, Jesus? Did somebody give them the truth, the word of God? I hope so. I'm moved by those historical reels because they're real people. And Jesus here, he's not praying about those of the past. He's praying about those of the future. You and I. And he's saying, Lord, be with them. Be with them. His heart is with you and I. Those that are his. When you come down to verse 20, listen to what he says. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. He says, Father, they need the unity of the church. They need the unity of fellowship. They need the unity of worship. Lord, I pray, Heavenly Father, I pray for them that they would be one. Because you know what? As you and I fight the good fight of faith, as you and I stand and and hold fast, we need each other. We need each other. Don't we? I need you. I need you to pray for me. I I need you to come and worship. I need you to embrace the truths of Jesus. I need to hear you say yes, amen. I I need you. When When we have a funeral, I need you. When we have a wedding, I need you. Because we're in it together. I tell Priscilla, Priscilla cleans for us down here in the preschool kindergarten. And every once in a while, if you know Priscilla, she can be a little vocal.
0: No, it is not true.
1: So she'll say to me, Pastor, did you see that mess? Blah, 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 blah. And I'll say, yeah, I did see that, Priscilla. I did see that mess. And I said, we can solve that problem. We can just not have any people come in the building from now on. We can have no people. And we would have the cleanest, sparklingest.
0: It's true, but it would no. <laughs> defeat.
1: And she'll say, "I know, Pastor. I know." <clears throat> Listen, we need each other. Amen. I don't care that it dirties the place up. I don't want to be here alone. <laughs> I hated preaching to an empty sanctuary during COVID. I did it. And I loved preaching, but I like seeing you. (laughs) And then he says, he says, I need you, Lord, I need you to make them one, even as we are one. And when you reflect on that bond, that relationship, that connection, I want to challenge you. It's not like any other relationship. It's not like graduating from elementary school and maybe you talk to those kids three more times in your whole life. It's not like graduating high school and you all celebrate and you go on your way and maybe you look each other up on Facebook 20 years later. No. Listen, when you're part of a church family, when you're part of a Christian family, that should be a tight weave. It should be something that really connects you one to another. Jesus says, Heavenly Father, I pray that they will be one even as you and I are one. Wow, that is a deep truth. Don't easily toss that to the side. Don't let the cares of this world pull you out of that weed. Don't let all the rush, the hectic, the crazy, don't let that yank you out of the fold. Jesus is praying for you and I here. He's interceding for us. The Bible teaches us that even right now, at the right hand of the Father, He intercedes for you and I. As we come down into verses 10 through 12, in His prayer, He talks about spiritual security. We find His heart As he talks to his Heavenly Father, and I understand it's the mystery of the Trinity. It's so hard to grasp and understand that they are one, and yet you've got this communication. But I have to tell you, I talk to myself all the time. I know. I know maybe that's a little nutty. But that's okay, I've told people before. I don't mind being a little nutty as long as I'm screwed on the right bolt. That's that's what's important to me. But I talk to myself sometimes. Uh, just this morning, went out to feed my cows, I came out of the house and started my truck and then I walked down to my shed where the grain and the hay is. And so as I'm walking down there, it's not uncommon for me to just say, be careful, because I, cause I there's a lot of ice and stuff over there. I don't have paved driveways with inside heat that melts the snow. I Mine's gravel, and I plowed it with my plow the other day, and it's, it's slick. So it's not that unusual for me to say, look, be careful. Now, I'm just talking to myself. I don't always answer myself. <laughs> and if I start hearing voices to boot, now we're all getting worried. But here, it's not hard for me to think of Jesus Christ, Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, talking to themselves in that link of the triune God, one God. It's just interesting. As it comes down to verses 10 through 12, he says, all are mine, are thine. He's talking about you and I. He's saying, all these people, all these folks, who believe and will believe. He says, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world. He's getting ready to come to the end. And these are in the world. And I come to thee. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept. And none of them is lost but the son of perdition that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And now I come to thee. And these things I speak in the world that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. He talks about this security for you and I. He says, Lord... These that are mine, these are kept by me, by you, by by that holy triune God. When we put our faith in him and our trust in him, when we receive Christ as our savior, we become his. That's why he used that term born again. When he was talking to Nicodemus and he said to him, you must be born again. I didn't create that phrase. Jesus created that phrase. Nicodemus said, how? How can you going to go back into your mother's womb and be born again? Jesus said, everybody's got to be born once of the water and once of the spirit. You must be born again. And here he's talking about that experience. He's saying that you and I, once we are his, He says says to God, those that are mine are thine. And he says, I've kept them. Except for the son of perdition that the prophecies of the old might be fulfilled. You and I are his. We belong to the heavenly father. The the New Testament teaches us that we are engrafted in. We are adopted in. Through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We are his. And we are secure. Not because we keep ourselves. But because he keeps us. That's what security is. If it depended on me. There'd be a problem. But when it is God who keeps us. When it is God who secures us. We are secure. When we come to the very last part verses 25 and 26 we see his generosity. Because he wants the very best for us. So in his prayer to the Heavenly Father he could be talking about what's coming up on Calvary. I mean it's going to be horrible. He, He could be talking about The deception, the lie, the betrayal of Judas. He could talk about that here. He could talk about how tired he is. Three and a half years of of walking all over the countryside of Israel. It's hard for us to grasp. Every place they went, they walked every day through rough terrain. Go to Israel and look. It is not roads paved with gold. It is dry, arid, rough. He could have talked to God about all those things, but he's really talking in the end, as we look at verses 25 and 26, about his desire, his generosity, his giving to you and I. Listen to what he says. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I've known thee. And these my people, have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. So as he closes his prayer with the Heavenly Father, he's thinking about you. He says, heavenly father, I want them to possess within themselves that which I have as far as the love, the love of God, the love for a lost and dying world that needs to come to salvation, the love for brothers and sisters in Christ that encourages and uplifts us one with another. The love of understanding that there is a God who passionately loves us so much that he paid for our sins when he himself was sinless. And so he tells the Heavenly Father, I desire that that love wherein thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them. When we receive Christ as our Savior, When we turn from our sins and we pray and tell the Lord, Lord, I am a sinner and I know it. And I ask that you forgive me of my sins. And I trust in Christ. I accept Christ as my Savior. He comes to dwell within us. His love comes to dwell within us. The love of the Heavenly Father comes to dwell within us. What a gift. What a gift. The world is tormented with pagan gods. Gods who demand all kinds of sacrifice. Jesus simply says, Come unto me, all ye that are weary, and I'll give you rest. You see, he loves us, he desires to give us peace that passeth understanding. His prayer is that we would experience the love of God that he himself possesses. So much so, that he's willing to come and dwell with us. Listen, I had a hard time finding a wife to come marry me. (laughs) Never mind have somebody come dwell within me. What a love God has for us. As we look at this text, we get to know Jesus through his prayer with the heavenly father and i started out by asking you if i were to listen in to your prayer or if you were to just step back and listen to your own prayer or imagine that you're god the father and he's hearing your prayers what would he know about us are we simply Prayer warriors by saying, and now I lay me down to sleep. Is that the most we say every day? Is our prayer life nothing but thank you, Jesus, for this lunch? Is that all we pray? I want you to really think about it. We just got to know Jesus by his prayer life. What does God know about us through ours? Lord, we thank you, we praise you, and Lord, I pray that you'd be with us as we go forth. Help us to honor you and represent you well in our community. In Christ's name, we pray. Amen. amen. Oh, for a thousand.